breast cancer. Those are two words your patients don't want to hear and news that you don't want to deliver. Unfortunately for one in eight American women, it's a truth they'll have to face in their lifetime. And the risks are clear. Besides being female, the two major risk factors for developing breast cancer are advancing age and family history. In fact, about 80% of women diagnosed with invasive breast cancer are age 50 and older. And while family history of the disease is an important risk factor, up to 80% of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have one. Unfortunately, many women still have misperceptions about who is at risk. They think, I don't have a family history of breast cancer, so I don't need to worry. My mom had breast cancer, but I'm only 43. The good news is that with early detection, we can try to reduce the risk of breast cancer mortality. Through awareness and education, we hope to improve patients' willingness to be screened for breast cancer. To help in this effort, Lilly has created the Strength in Knowing Breast Cancer Awareness Program and website. It's designed to educate women about their individual risks and provide a means for them to share this knowledge with others. At strengthinknowing.com, women can hear from professionals as they discuss the importance of knowing the risks of breast cancer, find out about events they can attend in their city, and help spread the message. The resources may also be helpful to you and your practice. There is strength in knowing about the risks of breast cancer. So spread the word today. Visit strengthinknowing.com and tell your patients to visit too. I didn't realize I was at risk until I visited. I told my sister, my mother, and my aunt. This program is sponsored by Eli Lilly and Company. Answers that matter. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. As physicians, we are trained to treat disease. What is our role when a patient finds out that they are at risk for a possible disease and want to change the course in how they or others in their situation are treated with respect to law and ethics? Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Joining me to discuss the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act is Joanna Rudnick, director and producer of In the Family and Cartequins Film Production, about her journey in discovering how to deal with BRCA-positive status, and attorney Julie Berger, who is the assistant director and legal fellow in the Institute for Science, Law, and Technology at the Chicago Kent College of Law. Joanna and Julia, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Thank you. Joanna, how did you come to discover that the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, or GINA, was something that needed to be discussed in Washington? It was the fear of the discrimination from the women that I had encountered in the process of making this film. It was when I talked to women and families, and they would say, my sister won't test because she's too afraid of losing her health insurance, or she's about to go into you know, private insurance, and this is going to keep her from actually getting this information. And I realized that that was so devastating to women out there who could potentially save their life from having the results of this genetic test who were not participating in testing and, and in any sort of research, impacting our ability to find a cure as well as to allow these women to have this life-saving information. Julie, can you describe a little bit what the GINA really is? Well, there's two main sections to the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. One section, the first section, deals with insurers, and the second section deals with employers. 
With respect to insurers, the Act would prevent insurers from denying coverage or charging higher rates to individuals who have a predisposition to developing a specific disease but have not manifested symptoms of the genetic disease. It also prevents insurers from requiring a person to undergo a genetic test or even from requesting the results of genetic tests as a condition of insurance coverage. It does, however, allow insurers to make underwriting decisions based on genetic conditions that have manifested into identifiable diseases. So in other words, a patient who is BRCA positive would have to list that on their insurance applications? Well, depending on the type of insurance, as the law stands now, that is something that insurance companies could have asked in the past, or it's something that if that information happened to be reported, for example, if a reimbursement request for a genetic test was submitted, the insurance company could request follow-up records on that and then possibly use that information in making future decisions. You know, it sounds like this discussion about genetic non-discrimination has been in the House and Senate for over 12 years. And Joanne and I were talking earlier about, you know, her struggle. And Joanne, maybe you want to address what has been your challenge in trying to help this GINA Act come into play? There's a woman named Sharon Terry, who's the head of the Genetic Alliance and the the Coalition for Genetic Fairness, and they've been working with members of the House and Senate for, you know, almost 12 years since Olympia Snow first introduced this act in, I believe it was 1996. And I think that part of it has been getting the insurance companies on board and getting the Chamber of Commerce on board, but they've really been able to get both of them to support this act. And the president has said he's going to sign it into law, and it's now just stuck in the Senate. And Julie, do you feel that there's been case law in the past that makes this GINA Act something that we need to defend patients, or has there been any precedent to allow for patients to win a non-discrimination situation with insurance folks? In the insurance context, there is not great case law that would protect patients' rights when they have been discriminated against on the basis of genetic information. For example, there was one woman who found out that it's through prenatal testing that her child had spina bifida, and the insurance company decided to deny any future health claims on the grounds that that was a pre-existing health condition. And as the law has stood in the past, that's something the insurance company would be allowed to do. And there's also another reason that federal law in this area is so important is that even though there are state laws protecting against discrimination in insurance and employment, these laws vary by state. Some of them are outdated. Some of them don't properly define what a genetic test is. Some of them have loopholes that would allow insurance companies to look at genetic results of family members and then discriminate against a person who maybe even hasn't had a genetic test herself. So that's why this federal action is so important. So basically the bottom line is the states have a very inconsistent program and we're hoping that a federal act will help stabilize or support uniformly the non-discrimination for these genetic testings? Yes. Okay. What do you think we can do as physicians to try to encourage this to happen? First, in getting the bill passed in the Senate is it's currently on hold by one senator. And, you know, there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors in an effort to try to prevent the bill from being passed over the years. And predominantly, all the objections have been overcome, but objections keep being raised. As physicians, I think that you could become educated in what the law is and what it actually protects and then be able to hopefully provide information to your patients about that. Joanna, do you think that when you were considering bracket testing that you were concerned about the ramifications of insurance and disability? 
I absolutely was. I actually tested anonymously. Since I knew the particular mutation my mother had, I paid out of pocket and did not go through my insurance company. And then I spent many years trying to keep it out of my medical charts, which is also very damaging to the patient. So I would have to re-educate all of my physicians over and over again that I had the BRCA mutation because I had gone through great lengths to actually keep it out of my medical chart. It's similar to Joanna's experiences. In one study on the genetic causes of a certain kind of colon cancer, nearly one out of two people listed fear of insurance discrimination as their number one concern with participating in the study. So we're seeing both that a fear of discrimination is affecting both patient care and participation in research studies. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, and Joanna Rudnick and Julie Berger are discussing with me the difficulties in treating patients with BRCA-positive testing with regards to discrimination in health insurance and general employment issues. Both of you have brought up some excellent points during this discussion, and I think I would like to continue to touch a little bit about this fear of discrimination. I will tell you that if not every, at least five out of six patients that I counsel about this cite their number one concern is not about the medical treatment that would follow the positive BRCA finding, but the fact that they feel it will have an impact not only on their insurance, but life insurance, disability possibly, and even their employment. And, you know, Julie, maybe from a legal perspective, you can offer us some ideas and ways that we can help protect these patients so that they will get the testing they need for good medical care. Well, I think that one important thing is to push for the enactment of this legislation because that would begin to offer better protections in employment and insurance and a more uniform law. Secondly, another big concern is that even if the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act does become law, it could be difficult to prove that an insurer or an employer's decision was based on the results of a genetic test. That's why it's so important that people have control over their own genetic information. Genetic testing should not be performed without specific written consent. And the person being tested should have the ultimate control over who gets to see the result of that test. You know, Joanna, I bet in many medical visits you've had, you have received information from your insurance company asking for medical records. And I find patients do this very randomly because they know they don't have a choice, really. Because if they don't okay that medical record review, they will not have the visit that they're talking about covered. Sure. What did you do? So you were saying that the way you got around this issue was really to just not include it in the record at all? Absolutely. So first it was to not include the record. Once I started making the film and realized I was obviously out there and anyone who would want to find out that I was BRCA positive could, I decided that what I was doing was sort of futile and decided to put it in my medical record and share my results more openly, hoping that this legislation would be passed and I would be protected or that state law would protect me from any form of discrimination. So I do sign and say that it's okay to share my medical records with insurance companies, but the positive test result has complicated that decision. And it also complicates my participation in research studies. As Julie had mentioned, every time I'm asked to send my blood to look for biomarkers or ovarian cancer, anything that I really believe in that's going to be sharing my genetic information, I do so, but I do it with you know hesitation because I am still concerned that that could be misused and used against me. There have been actually cases where people have been denied insurance or lost insurance coverage merely by their participation in research studies, even if they didn't actually test positive for the disease that was being studied, let alone have any of the symptoms of the disease. Absolutely, Julie. You know, Julie, I also think that one of the things that I find interesting in reviewing the information about the GINA Act and some of the really amazing work that's being lobbied about to protect patients who want to have genetic testing is that with the thought of having autonomy, privacy, and confidentiality, especially in the lights of HIPAA, I think physicians are nervous about putting themselves out there to try to discuss this for patients because they're afraid they're going to let something out that they shouldn't. 
So, you know, the question comes to mind, how do physicians within the realm of HIPAA actually go forth and try to protect the patient without telling the insurance company that they have a problem? HIPAA is not going to prevent physicians from requesting a genetic test or from discussing the results of the test. And if the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act passes, there would be greater protections under HIPAA that would go to decisions that insurance companies make. So I think that, you know, the physician has to be honest with the patient about what the issues are, but not be afraid to recommend genetic testing or request a test based on that. Well, a special thanks to our guest, Joanna Rudnick, the director and producer of In the Family, and attorney Julie Berger, who is the assistant director and legal fellow at the Institute of Science, Law, and Technology at Chicago Kent College of Law. You've been listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157. For questions or comments, complete program information, and on-demand podcasts, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to ReachMD.com forward slash women's health.